0: looking at the word of the Lord the correct way God's word is his warranty if you want to bring it down to culturally relative terms God's word is his warranty it's his guarantee when manufacturers give a warranty or a guarantee along with a product, is because they want to alleviate any uh, sense of buyer's remorse coming later. They want the person to know that purchases the product, that if something goes wrong with the product in the future, that the manufacturer is going to take care of it. God's word is his guarantee, it's his warranty. So that when something goes wrong in the life of a believer, the believer can stand back and look at the word and say, my life has a guarantee. God's Word guarantees you certain things. Some of those things it guarantees you. If you were in bondage and in any area of your life this morning, God's Word guarantees that you are coming out. The prophecy has started already. God's Word guarantees that you are coming out of it doesn't matter what it is doesn't matter how long you've been there before the end of this thing you are coming out god's word guarantees to people in low places that have taken a fall that have been hit and fallen over god's word guarantees that you are going to get up you are going to get up the blow that has hit you is not the blow that will ultimately take you out you will get up from this you are going to get up You are gonna stand again, you are gonna walk again, you are gonna run again in your life. You will be getting up from this. God's word also guarantees that the devil is a liar. So all of the threats and negative voices and negative words that have been circulating in your mind, God heard it and he wanted to say something to it. He said, that devil is a liar. You are coming out of this. God's word guarantees that for believers for the believer, it is not over. You can go through certain things in your life that can push you into a corner and make you feel it's just over and that it's time to quit. Some of you walked into this building this morning with those kind of thoughts running through your head that you've been pounded with all week. But God's word said, it is not over. In fact, God's word said, behold, I'm going to do a new thing. Not only is it not over, for many of you, it's about to begin again. The career it's about to begin again. The health, it's about to begin again. The marriage, it's about to begin again. It is not over. But unfortunately, that's only so comforting because we want a different kind of guarantee from God. We want a guarantee that we won't go through any adversity, we won't go through any pain, and we won't go through any suffering. But God never promised that Believers wouldn't go through pain and suffering and adversity. In fact, oftentimes it's believers who are the ones that are hard pressed on every side. Like Paul said, press beyond measure. God never said we wouldn't suffer, but he did say that through our suffering that we would partake in the glory of God. Look at First Peter chapter four, verses twelve and thirteen. This is a wild scripture because God said that he would not share his glory with flesh, and that is to say, allowing flesh to be glorified. But there are certain circumstances in where God will allow you to take part in his glory. Not so that you may be glorified, but so you may experience the joy and the power and the beauty of his glory. Again, first Peter chapter chapter 4 verses 12 and 13 he said beloved think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you as though some strange thing happened to you You're walking around in your life, shaking your head like the most mysterious thing in the world has happened to you because all hell's breaking loose. But the Bible said, don't think it's so strange. Look, what's going on with you is not strange. I know you've been telling everybody it's strange. I know you've been feeling like it's strange. I know you feel like everybody in the world is just picking on you, but it is not strange. He said, but rejoice, watch this, to the extent, right, that you partake of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory is revealed, you may also be glad with exceeding joy. Let me break that scripture down for you. He's saying that there is something about the sufferer There's something about the believer. There's something about the suffering and the turmoil and the pain of a person who is connected to Jesus Christ. There is something about that misery and that difficulty that attracts the glory of God. Now, what is the glory of God? The glory of God, I've told you many times, is the thing about God that makes him not like anything else. In other words, when the glory of God appears in a situation, you have people scratching their heads saying, I've never seen anything like that before. Because the glory of God is the thing about God that makes him unlike anything else. It's like my son, when they did a brain scan on a Tuesday and they showed us all of the dead brain tissue. And they said, Mr. Size, he has a dead brain on the right side. And then they did the same scan again on the same part of the brain on a Thursday and all the dead brain tissue was alive. And the doctor stood there saying, I've never seen anything like this before. That's the glory of God. Now, there was a lot of suffering in that situation, but the suffering attracted the glory of God. And when the glory of God shows up, you'll know it because people around you and you yourself will be scratching your head saying, I've never seen anything like this before. And that's the next thing I want to prophesy that I've never seen anything like this before of miracles invading your life permeating through the fabric of your connection I've never seen anything like this before just pat yourself and think about what's been bothering you and then say I've never seen anything like this I've never seen anything like this before Next thing I want to tell you, suffering is a key ingredient in the breakthrough that's coming. I'm going to say it again. Suffering is a key ingredient. If you're suffering, you better get this word. Suffering is a key ingredient in the breakthrough that is coming. And ingredients are the proof that the finished product is on its way. When you see a pile of ingredients, the pile of ingredients are an announcement that the product is on its way. If you have been suffering, there is a guarantee if you have been hurting there is a guarantee because the suffering is a key ingredient in the breakthrough that is coming if you've been suffering in your body suffering in your mental health suffering with your children if you've been suffering suffering is a key ingredient in the breakthrough that's coming somebody clap your hands give God praise right there it's also helpful to know it's almost helpful to know that God will not allow you to face something that He hasn't already given you the strength to handle. Ah, starting to feel like preaching. God will not allow you to face something that He's not already given you the strength to handle. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 8. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 8. We are hard pressed on every side. Yet yeah? it's amazing. Not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair Paul said it makes no sense as hard as I've been pressed on as many sides as I've been pressed I should have been crushed by now anybody know what it's like to be hard pressed in this season Ah, uh, nobody's talking back to me. I said, is there anybody in the room that knows what it's like in your finances, in your family, in your health, at work? Is anybody know what it's like to be just hard pressed on every side? I'd be okay if you were pressing me that hard just from the front, but to press me that hard from the front and the back and the side... It, it some of you it literally it's like Paul it doesn't make any sense that you're still here as hard as you've been pushed. There's people that have been pushed and pressed a lot less hard than you have that blew their brains out but somehow in spite of the intense resistance against you somehow in spite of the misery and the pain and the depression and the addiction and the abuse and the losses and the disappointments and the failure somehow as hard as you have been pressed you hadn't been crushed I tell you who I like coming to church with I like coming to church with people who've been pressed Ah, I love coming to church with people who've been pressed I tell you who I like singing with I like singing with people that's been pressed Because when you've been pressed, it puts something else in your voice. When when you've been pressed, it puts something else in your prayer life. When you've been pressed, it... Now, to those of you who are looking, you know, you're either coming out of a trial in the middle of the trial or going into a trial. And to those of you that are going into a trial and you're looking forward to it with fear, saying, I know I don't have the strength right now to bear that. And you're thinking there's some kind of contradiction between what I just said when I said God will not allow anything to come on you that he hasn't already given you the strength to handle. I got one more guarantee for you. Sometime between now and when the trial hits... God has guaranteed to send you the strength you need to get through it. So if the strength hasn't come yet, it's coming. If the strength hasn't come yet, it's coming. Look at Isaiah chapter 40, verses 28 through 31. This is a great scripture. Have you not known, have you not heard? The everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, never faints nor is weary. His understanding is unsearchable. Watch. He gives power to the weak. I love it. He gives power to the weak. Doesn't give power to the strong because they're strong. He gives power to the weak and to those who have no might. He increases their strength. You know what that scripture means? That scripture means that God is searching for somebody that's about to go into something they don't have the strength to handle. Just so his power can be allocated and flow toward them to strengthen them against that thing. To strengthen them through that trial. Now. One thing I took a note on that I want to share with you. I took this note last night on this chapter. It was a revelation from God. It was prophetic. It hit me. It amazed me. It may have just been for me. It may not be for you. So I'm going to say it in case it might be for you. But if it's not for you, I'm going to shout over it all by myself. There's a scripture in the New Testament that says the gifts and the callings of God are without repentance from God's side in other words that means God will never give you something and then take it back so if we take that understanding and we look back at Isaiah 40 and what it says that uh he gives power to the faint And to those who have no might, he increases their strength. Uh, There's a little deduction that we got to do on this thing, because that means I'm walking towards a challenge that I do not currently have the strength to get through. So God looks at me and my weakness provokes him to make me strong. My weakness attracts him to increase my strength. And so I use the increased strength from God to get through the trial. But then when the trial's over... I don't have to give the strength back. God doesn't take the strength back. So when the trial's over and I've already survived and God strengthened me to be able to do it, I end up on the other side of the trial stronger than I ever was before from a strength that God gave me that he promised to never take back. That's how you level up in life. That's how you increase in life. And that's how God makes the devil bless you. When the devil sends trials that are too big for you, it provokes God to give you a strength. And when the trial is over, you're standing there stronger because of it. Fourth prophecy, you're going to be stronger on the other side of this crisis. You're going to be stronger on the other side of this problem. You're going to be stronger on the other side of this health condition. I wish I could get somebody to praise. with me. You're going to be stronger on the other side of this financial threat. You're going to be stronger on the other side of this thing with your children. You're going to be strong. Somebody give him a praise and shout in the house. He gives power to the faint. And to those who have no might, he increases their strength. Increases coming. Oh, increase is coming. Oh, increase is coming to this section, to this section, to the middle, to the balcony, to those of you watching online. An anointing of increase is coming on you right now. You pick the right Sunday to come because this is the Sunday. Heaven looks at your weakness and increases. In crow. I feel the Holy Ghost. Increase. Increase it. I said, increase is increasing now. I can feel it. I got muscles on my teeth. The hair on my head standing up. An increase is coming right now if you believe it. Shout yeah! we must never 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 increase comes in stages and in phases and in multiplicity of ways yours is coming a thousand times more we speak over your life in the name of Jesus for your prayer life, for your endurance, for your lifespan, for your health, for your finances, that God add it all up and multiply you and increase you and bless you more and more. It's important not to preach Samson. Those of you that like study, those of you that like digging into the word, it's very important not to preach Samson from the presuppositional lens of cautionary tale that's how everybody preaches it that's how everybody studies it you go into the story thinking about the fact that he told Delilah his secret and she had the Philistines arrest him they shaved his head and they put out his eyes and and they 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 kind of lift up points of morality, you know, connect to the right people because the wrong people will rob you of your strength and all that kind of stuff. And there's some there's some good life lessons and some good points in that. But all of that assumes that God's purpose in Samson's life was thwarted by the enemy, and it wasn't. you, you got to understand this about Samson. Samson was born to a mama and daddy that couldn't have kids. His life was a miracle anyway. And he wasn't given to his parents just so they could be parents and have a baby. He was given to his parents because the nation of Israel was up under the control and the siege and the affliction of the Philistines. So God made Samson for this one reason, kill Philistines, wreak havoc with Philistines, break the control that the Philistines had over the nation. And the end of the story, before we get into the middle, lest you falsely assume it's a cautionary tale, The end of the story proves that in spite of men's failure, God's purpose prevails. That's a good note right there. In spite of men's failure, God's purpose prevails. That's why you ought to sink your anchor into the purpose of God for your life. Because if you do, we're all going to have failures. But if you sink your anchor into the purpose of God for your life, In spite of the failures, you will still accomplish your purpose in the end. Uh, I could preach right there, but I'm going to move on. (laughs) The Bible says that in Samson's death, he killed more Philistines in his life. In other words, the greatest example of God's thumbs up on his purpose Happened when he died in that Colosseum But he would have never been in the Colosseum if they hadn't have arrested him and put his eyes out They would have never arrested him and put his eyes out if he hadn't told his secret to Delilah It's almost as if the purpose of God took the wiles of the enemy into account and wrote the purpose considering how the enemy would move and then made sure that all things work together for the good of them who love God, who are the called according to his purpose. God never said you were going to be perfect. You don't have to be perfect. You got to be purposeful. And if you commit your heart to be purposeful, you'll never lose. You'll never lose. You'll never lose. Not ultimately. other the other thing that bothers me about samson's story is everybody preaches and says that he took a nazarite vow before god covenant relationships covenant just means there's a contract there's an agreement where both parties say i will do this if you will do that okay so it's an old word for contract okay they had Not just a relationship, they had a contractual relationship. And in the Old Testament, the highest form of these covenants was called a Nazarite vow. It was only reserved for a select few people, and the vow was very simple. I'll give you very special power to do very special things that no one else can do, but you have to live in a way that no one else lives. You are never allowed to touch anything unclean or anything dead, okay? you are never allowed to drink strong drink, okay? Number three, you are never allowed to cut your hair, okay? So a lot of people say Samson vowed a Nazarite vow. That's not true. His parents vowed it over him. (laughs) Some things you just have no control over. You got to understand, he didn't grow up and become a deliverer and a judge of Israel. He was born to be a deliverer and a judge of Israel. God didn't start moving in his life at some point of conversion. God started moving in his life the day he was born. Okay. So he's moving through his life and every Philistine he kills and every Israelite he rescues. He's advancing further and further into the purpose of God. Now, Judges 16, 4 says that he loved Delilah. The other misnomer that I hate about the text is the assumption that Delilah was some prostitute or some random harlot, no. This was a person he had formed a relational bond with to the point that he loved her. If he had wanted to go see a harlot, he could have. He had done it before. But he loved Delilah. He loved a woman in the Valley of Sorak whose name was Delilah. Be careful with your heart because as you advance in purpose, the enemy will use what your heart is in to attack you. The enemy will even move through people. They can be good people, but just not know that they've left a portal or a door open for the enemy. And the enemy will even move through people that you love to attack and to wound and to afflict you and so was the case the enemy has decided to attack samson in the one spot he's vulnerable the spot of love he loves her so it made him vulnerable and the enemy came through that door because the enemy knew one thing about samson that's true about you know most of us okay samson lived his life caught between the two pulls There's two great pulls in life. There's the pull of your purpose. Before you ever lay hands on your purpose, your purpose has laid hands on you. All of your life, your purpose has been pulling you. You may not have been able to articulate it. You may not have been able to tell people what it is or communicate well about it. But there's been this invisible force that has been pulling you in certain directions all of your life. And that force, that pull is your purpose. So Samson was always pulled by his purpose and yet always pulled by his carnal affections, temptation, sin, those things. So he lived his life caught in the tension between the purpose of God over his life and his carnal affections. Many of us are living in that tension today, caught between the purpose of God for your life and your carnal affections and sinful temptations. And he loved Delilah, in uh, verses 16 and 19, in Judges 16, 16 through 19, it gives us the account. It came to pass when she pestered him daily. I'm not going to preach about that. am not going to say anything about it. It came to pass when she pestered him daily. The strongest physical man in the Bible was Samson, and the pestering of a woman broke him down. I'll leave it right there. And it came to pass when she pestered him daily daily. We're going to talk about that at duo when she pestered him daily, It came to pass when she pestered him daily with her words and pressed him so that his soul was vexed to death. Let's say amen, fellas, but blink your eyes three times. Don't say it out loud. No, don't say it out loud. Just blink your eyes three times. She pestered him so that his soul was vexed to death. Verse 17. That he told her all his heart, said to her, no razor has ever come upon my head. I've been a Nazarite to God. What? From my mother's womb. If you just read the Bible, it'll tell you all that stuff. Like he never took the vow. The vow was taken while he was in his. Truth is in the text, but you got to. So basically, you know the story. She's tried you know, three or four other times to, uh, to hand him over to the Philistines. They bound him with new cords. He said, yeah, if you bind me with new cords, I'll be like any other man. They came in. He broke the cords, just beat the snot out of them, killed a whole bunch of them. It was just bad. And then he said, if you put my hair in looms, you know, and they came in. And he did it to them again. I mean, he was, he was having fun with them. Having fun with them. And uh, finally, she breaks him down, and he tells her, and let's go a little further with this. It's, I'm almost done. It's not about the shaving of the hair. Okay, don't, don't focus too much on that. Uh, the seven locks of his head represented his spiritual connection to God. Okay, okay. Um, in Revelations 4 and 5, and again in Isaiah 11, the scripture reveals the seven spirits of God. You have the spirit of the Lord, the spirit of wisdom, the spirit of understanding, the spirit of counsel, the spirit of power, the spirit of knowledge, and the spirit of reverence. So he was told to braid his hair in seven locks because each one of those locks was an outward sign, just an outward little natural sign. Of the connection he had in the spirit. He was connected to God. Like your hair is connected to your head. So. He's already broken two. Of the three tenets of the Nazarite vow. Class do you remember what they were? Touch something dead. dead. Drink strong drink. drink. And then number three. Okay, Okay well on his way. Uh, to Delilah's house, he stopped and he noticed that there was honey in the carcass of a dead lion and he wanted it, so he reached in and he took the honey. Okay, And uh, Samson was always known to enjoy some strong drink. The final thread remaining in his covenant relationship is that thing about his hair, which is the namesake of the whole thing. And when he tells the enemy his secret, don't tell the enemy your secrets. What was the secret to his great supernatural strength? Crazy exploits that he did. Everybody his whole life wanted to know. You know, he's five years old, walking around with boulders, picking up wagons, you know, tossing donkeys around. Everybody always wanted to know how in the world can you do this? Is there a protein bar I can eat? Or, it, it, and the secret was, my source of strength is my private connection to God. Don't get caught up on the hair or the strong drink or the touch and unclean stuff. No, 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 that's not it. That's just emblematic. It's just an icon. It's just a label for my private connection with God spiritually. And each one of us, if we read the word and we're in relationship with the Holy Spirit, there will be private things. That becomes strands of your connection with God. There may be certain things you cannot do, not because the Bible says it's a sin, but because in your own time with the Holy Spirit and communing with Him, a conviction came on you not to touch that thing, or not to go to that place, or not to connect with those people, or not to enjoy this certain pleasure. there's, There's private things. And when you adopt those private things in your relationship with God, they become strands of force that connect to the source so she wanted to know his secret and it's not so much that he said the source of my power is from God he told her the specific vehicle through which it was flowing through so she lulled him to sleep you know the Bible never says that Samson slept with Delilah he may have it never says he did when we see Samson going to Delilah he's always going there to rest to sleep to lay his head down to recover because when you have to be mighty in public you get tired in private careful where you go when you're tired so you know the story uh, they come in they arrest him they put out his eyes and um, look at verse look at verse 20 well no let's not go to verse 20 go to verse uh, 22 they, they shave his head and verse 22 says he's grinding in the mill you know his head shaven and um, and, he, and he's just suffering But it says, however, the hair of his head began to grow again after it had been shaven. Two words I want you to focus on. However and after. Everybody say however. However. And after. First of all, however is an adverb that cancels out previous facts established in the sentence. Okay, So the enemy has successfully severed and cut. His covenant relationship with God. But the thing about covenant relationship with God is, from God's perspective, it's eternal. Now, from your perspective, it may be wishy-washy. You may walk out on it. You may disconnect from it. You may separate from it. But from God's perspective, the tenets of the covenant are eternal. So that means they put Samson in that jail cell, and they tied him up to that millstone, and they made him push it all day, every day. But in a jail cell tied to a millstone, he couldn't touch anything unclean or dead. in a jail cell tied to a millstone he couldn't have no strong drink. and in a jail cell tied to a millstone and they never they should have kept shaving his head his hair began to grow again so now he's not just got one strand he's got three full strands of the original covenant coming back in place Because regardless of your failures, God's covenants are eternal. And he said, if you return to me, I will return to you. You may have backslidden. You may have drifted far from God and stumbled in here today, halfway, not even wanting to come. But the Lord says to you today, if you will return to me, I will return to you. And so now we get to the three elements that I wanted to talk to you about because... They, they left him in there long enough for his hair to grow back. Then they threw a big party because they thought God's great champion was defeated. They gathered all of their governors, all of their parliament, all of their sophisticated people in the community. They gathered the pillars of the community underneath the pillars of the stadium. <laughs> they never would have done it. With the Samson of old. Wasn't safe to have everybody in the same place with the Samson of old. But now he's blind. Okay. And so the Bible says that they couldn't just leave him. They should have left him. They couldn't just, the enemy always goes too far. Bishop gave this prophetic word to someone last week, and I was, I was overhearing him on the phone with them. He said, the enemy will always push people too far. He'll push them right into the hands of Jesus. Okay. So they could have, they could have just left him grinding around the millstone chain, walking in circles but they had to bring the former great champion out to make fun of him cuz the enemy always goes too far and now he can't he can't walk cuz he's blind so they give him a partner a little boy point number 1 in this season god is going to give you a partner Listen to me. Listen to me. Who is strong where you are weak? Listen to me. They don't know it, but Samson's got his power back. He's strong, but he can't see. He's got power, but no vision. And vision and power can go together and make miracles But power without vision is a waste. So God gives him a partner, and and he he asked the partner of the little boy, he said, can you put my hands on the pillars? I've got the power, but I need your help with the positioning. So the partner takes his powerful hands and puts them in the right position. Some of you got power. In fact, you're stronger than you've ever been. You're a little older now, but you're stronger than you ever been. But, But the problem is you don't have vision. So God, when he sees you, he'll always partner you up with somebody that has what you don't have. So he asks his partner that God assigned to him. Will you put my hands in the right place? Because Samson knows it does no good to push with all your might if you're pushing in the wrong spot. Some of you are strong and you've been pushing, but you hadn't been pushing in the correct place. If you're going to push and see results, you got to line your powerful hands up with the pillars of the support system of the thing that's trying to block you and keep you down. So he says, he says, boy, can you put my hands in the right place? God's going to give you somebody. The right one to help put your hands in the right place listen to me all of you that are single God's gonna send you the right one all of you that have a company and you need to make a hire God's gonna send you the right one all of you that are looking for work and you need a company that needs some people God's gonna assign you and send you to the right one God is gonna give you a partner to help put your hands in the right place Then next, number two, a prayer. Okay, a prayer. A prayer. The enemy's most sophisticated lie is that prayer won't do any good this time. Because you prayed about it so long, and you asked so many times, and you've been so disappointed. But, But you can always pray your way into victory. And notice how Samson prays. He said, Lord, I want my strength back one more time and give me vengeance against the enemy. When he did that, When he said, give me vengeance against the enemy, he slipped his prayer right into the current and the vein of the purpose of God. Remember why he was created? He was created to take vengeance on the enemy. Samson was God's tool God's weapon against the enemy, flung at the enemy in God's own hand. So when he says, give me vengeance against my enemy, he's praying in direct correlation with the will and the purpose of God. And when you pray according to God's purpose, I got a message a couple months ago about that. When you pray according to God's purpose, you can always pray your way into victory. And then, and then, and I hope you've been receiving this because I'm done. The prophecy is over. I hope you got it. I hope you got it. I hope you connected to it. I hope you received it in your spirit. I hope you didn't just think you were sitting through a church service. I hope you realized that God, through me, was speaking to your spirit to give you instructions about the steps you need to take and the moves you need to make and the things you need to do and the stuff you need to watch for. Number three, number three, as you're standing, he had to push one more Time pushing after failure is always difficult. Mustering up the energy to push again after failure is always difficult, but see. In all of his life, God's bringing some, to you, some of you to a life-changing, life-altering moment. Okay. Samson had pushed against the Philistines many times. But he had never pushed against something when the stakes were this high. Never. Okay. He's got more in front of him. That he's ever killed in his entire life. So all of the pushes. All of the warfare. All of the pain. All of the stuff. Led him up to this moment. He's not there by cautionary tale. Fools say that. He's there by the brilliant strategic design. Of a purposeful God. And so are you. The enemy's been trying to convince you that your mistakes have canceled your purpose. No! You are right where you are supposed to be. Flaws and all, past and all, pain and all. But the question is, do you have the faith to push over all the stuff? Put your hand on those pillars and give it one more. The Lord will send you the right partner. The Lord will answer your prayer, prayed in accordance with his will. And if you will push, (laughs) one more time, I feel the glory of the Lord falling in here. I said, if you will push one more time, The greatest breakthrough you've ever seen in your life is coming. If you receive this prophetic word, give God praise in Jesus' name. You can connect to prophecy a few ways. You can connect to it by praise. You can connect to it by faith. You can connect to it by response. You can connect to it by seed. When I woke up this morning, the Lord let me know that we are standing in a field that's been plowed and ready to sow. There's breakthrough in this house this morning. And I've listened, I've listened to Bishop, who is not just my father, he is a sitting Bishop in the body of Christ positionally. And I've listened to him give such direct counsel this last week and I've asked him to come and challenge all of us with our seed this morning welcome him as he comes
1: Uh, yeah come on give Jesus a great big hand if you receive if you receive the word this morning oh come on you need to praise him you received a directional word from almighty God And we need to praise him for it. I said we need to praise him for it. I said we need to praise him this morning. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, Lord, I bless your name this morning, Lord. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. They wanted Elijah. They They wanted him to prophesy. They said, we need, we need, we need, we need a word. We need a word. We need a word from Almighty God. He said, I can't give you a word in this dry place. He said, I got to have a minstrel come. I got to have somebody that'll reach up into the atmosphere, that'll reach up into the heavens and bring a manifestation to the prophetic word of God. Can you give your God, I'm just talking about three minutes of Holy Ghost digging deep into your soul and blessing his name this morning. Oh, come on, somebody. Come on, somebody. Let's dig deep this morning into our soul. If you don't dig deep into your soul today, you'll become tomorrow who you criticize today. Let's dig deep right right in this moment, right in this special moment. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, yes, he has. He delivered me from all fear. Now, yeah, everybody in the house and watching online. He Woo! he set my feet on a rock. Thank you for it, Jesus. I'll never be moved. I'll say of the Lord, you are my shield. My strength, my portion, deliver, my shelter, my strong tower, my very present help in time of need. Be seated for just a moment. God spoke to me at 4.30 this morning from 2 Chronicles 20-26. It's where Jehoshaphat was in the valley of Barakah. And God said, "I I want you to reach out to three people and tell them, I have led them into the valley of Barakah and I looked up that Hebrew word, and it means the valley of blessing, prosperity, and rest. Blessing, prosperity, and rest. So first of all, I reached out to New York at five o'clock this morning. And I said, God has led you into the valley of Barak. A place of blessing prosperity and rest and then I reached with the other hand into California and I told the pastor there God has led you into the valley of blessing prosperity and rest and I heard from both but I said who's that third person and God said, it's Christian world. You tell them I have led them into the valley of Barak. Uh, shout, I'm standing in blessing, prosperity, and rest. But, but before Jehoshaphat got there, he he had he had to go through the valley of trouble. And see, before you can get to this beautiful place of blessing, you're going to have to get through the valley of trouble. I got one, yeah. Yeah, yeah. You, you remember Joshua, Joshua 7, 24. He finds himself in the valley of Achor. I said Joshua's in the valley of Achor. The Hebrew said it's the valley of affliction, disturbance, and trouble. Verse 25, And Joshua said to Achan, who had been Achan, overtaken the things of God, uh, Joshua said, why have you troubled us? Now you've troubled the Lord. Mm -hmm. He was in the valley. Of trouble, and every one of us will go through the valley of trouble. Job 14 and 1 says, A man that's born of a woman is few days and full of trouble, but you got to get through trouble before you can get to the blessing of God. Life, people, Satan will try to stop you from receiving the blessing of God. So, the first step to your blessing, prosperity, and rest, you have to manage the valley of trouble. Job managed it and got double for his trouble. Shout, I got to manage trouble. No, shout, I've got to manage this trouble. The, the second valley Jehoshaphat had to go through was discouragement. Numbers 32 and 9 says when the spies came back from the valley of Eshcol, uh, they, they discouraged the people that they should not go in and take the blessing and the promise. And there's valleys of discouragement that I promise you you'll go through before you get to God's blessing. You've got to walk through it. Joshua 18, 16, there was a valley of giants to discourage the tribe of Benjamin from taking their promises. To take your promises, you gotta face these freakish giants. They have six fingers and six toes. They're freakish. They'll get right in your face and try to threaten you, but you gotta deal with them. Shot, I gotta deal with them. See, the giants are a part of going to the next level. If you don't deal with them, you'll never get to this next level that God's trying to take you to. I said he's trying to push you to another level. You have to avoid small-minded people, small ankle biters, small threats. If you eat small, you'll stay small. You eat big, you'll get big. Shout, I'm seeing big. See, 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 if you struggle running with the footman, how in the hell do you think you're going to run when the horseman comes? Okay, you got to get over these small threats and these small little mole hills that you call mountains. And the second valley you got to go through to get to blessing, prosperity, and rest is the valley of discouragement and big giants. You just got to get ready to fight. Psalms 84 and 5, David said, uh, Blessed is the man whose strength is in the Lord. Shout, my strength's in the Lord. Verse 6, when passing through the valley of Becca, he digs a well. And God's rain fills the well. Verse 7, so they can go from strength to strength. Shout, I'm going from strength to strength. Oh, I lost you. Shout, I'm going from strength to strength. The word Becca means disappointment, discouragement, grief, stress, and weakness. When you go through this valley, dig a well. Use your energy to dig a well so that you can be strength and refresh people that are weaker than you are. God lets you walk through this valley of Becca So you could not faint, but be strengthened and dig a well for somebody that's coming after you that won't have the strength to dig when they get in this valley. Shot, I'm going to dig for others. No, shot, I'm going to dig for others. You got to be like Moses when he got in a dry place. And they found wells, but the wells were dry. Moses said, spring up, O well. He started singing to that dry place. He started ministering to that dry place. He said, spring up, O well. Spring up today. And water, an artesian well, started coming up out of a dry place because he refused to be defeated in the wilderness. And I know I'm talking to people that's been in a dry. You've been in 15 months of dryness. But I'm telling you, I'm telling you, God is about places. He's about people. And he's about seasons. He's about places. He's about seasons. He's about time. This is your time today. This is your time today to receive God's blessing his prosperity, and his rest. If you believe that, shout amen. amen. Ooh. Now, now, Nehemiah 1135, Nehemiah was in the valley of craftsmen. And when I gave Pastor John this third step this morning, he questioned it. He said, Craftsman? He's in the valley of craftsmen? What? I don't understand. I said, go to Nehemiah 1135. Uh-huh. He's in the valley of of craftsmen he's in a he's in a deep valley because he's rebuilding the walls he's re but but Sanballos and Tobiah they're trying to pull him down off the wall they're when they can't pull him down, they, they try to threaten him. And, 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 they, and they say, the enemies are coming, and, and, and they're going to run you over. But Nehemiah said, I'm doing a good work. I'm in the position God called me to be in. I'm in the place. I've got the people that God has put with me, and I've got craftsmen. Somebody shout craftsmen. See, God will give you, number three, everything you need when you need it see some of you won't step out by faith and and take the promises of God because you're saying I don't have the resources I I don't have the people I, I don't have the backing I don't have this I don't have that I don't have the other God will give you everything you need to fulfill your destiny and his purpose there's craftsmen there's carpenters there's plumbers, there's electricians, there's rock layers, there's everything you need in God. He will supply all your need according to his riches. He's got it all, baby. The earth is the Lord's and all the fullness. Well, Pastor Jay showed you these seven things, these seven spirits. God said, God said, I'm gonna release. I'm going to release my spirit to people today. I'm going to release wisdom, understanding, counsel, power, knowledge and reverence. I'm going to release it all. And 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 I said, "Okay." Okay. I didn't know I was getting up at the end. I was just going to get up and receive the tithe and the pastor said, "I received the tithe. I want you. I want you." to seal this prophecy with God's Word. And I said, okay. And God showed me just sitting there, there's three people. There's three people in the house that have a $1,000 seed. Don't get nervous if it's not you, but God's going to release seven things to you today. The, the, he's going to release his spirit, wisdom, understanding, counsel, power, knowledge, and reverence. He's releasing it right now. But you need to release a thousand dollar seed. And then there's seven people. I don't know who you are, but you've got a seventy seven dollar seed. And God said, I'm going to also release these seven. They're, they're my spirits, their they're wisdom, their understanding, their counsel. God said, I'm going to be a wonderful counselor to you. You've been trying to get your counsel from people that don't have a, a, a pot to cook in or a window to throw it out but your best counsel comes from the Lord if if you're those seven people I want you to stand right now if you're those seven I know there's seven in the house get a $77 seed right now but you've got to follow these steps you got to follow these steps that I'm sharing with you right now find me Lawrence I need you to find me I will bless the Lord at all time yes I will yes I will everybody in the house said I will trust him at all time yes I will help me somebody he will oh yes he has from all fear no fear here God's not given me a spirit of fear He set my feet on a rock that won't roll today. If you've got that seed, bring it quickly, as quick as you want God to bless you, I want you to bring it quickly. Father, thank you for releasing your blessing. Thank you for an anointing that's breaking demonic yokes right now. Somebody watching online. You need to connect with this prophetic word. This is your season. You're in the valley of Baraka, the valley of blessing, the valley of prosperity, the valley of rest. God's going to give you people for your life. God's going to give somebody a husband. Come quickly. Your shelter, thank you for covering us from the top of our head to the soles of our feet. God bless you. We'll see you Wednesday night, and I'm gonna cover five valleys. There's five valleys you gotta walk through, you gotta walk through to get to this special place this valley of Baraka.